Welcome to another episode of Meta Athletes, the Playbook, where we bring our coaches' insights directly to our community. And uh, Coach B, exciting times, and both, I think, depressing times, too, for a lot of people. And I think today's conversation uh, revolves a lot around uh, responses, uh, mindset, um, mm. perspective. And, you know, we were just chatting right before we decided to hit record, and I was just like, let's just pause, let's just get right into it, because these are this is a great conversation. And I think it's so relatable to a lot of people right now um, with just the way that the uh the economy is the way that um maybe people are feeling a little burnt out maybe yeah. they're spending a little bit too much time watching news or on their screens and on social media and um you know there's there's this overarching conversation that, that we keep having with our within our community and i'm starting to realize a lot of it has to deal with facing adversity but also kind of seeking some of the adversity and some of the uh some of the struggle a little bit versus shying away from it and i think that um Obviously, we have so many great conversations around, you know, winning and learning versus winning and losses and uh, how we can pull, you know, pull lessons out of things, but also just this perspective of, you know, jumping into the fire, you know, or just yeah. the perspective of executing and, um, you know, not being afraid to fail. Uh, because, you know, if we if we have that mindset, that growth mindset, there really is no fail, right? And uh, so, you know, we're just chatting about how we need to maybe lean into more adversity so that we can pull that potential out and we can pull, not not even pull potential out, but also as a response, become better. And as a response, um, you know, kind of rise to the occasion. And so I think that's the conversation, you know, today that I think is important. I think it's a important conversation for a lot of our community and, and for, for our listeners in the pod. Um, and there's so many great lessons, whether we we pull them from sports, whether we pull them from uh, our day-to-day lives. I mean, you were just talking about how we can even apply it to nutrition and, and yeah. training in terms of leaning in and, and putting yourself through the struggle versus maybe going through the motions or, um, you know, there's so many people like, oh, I don't want to be sore the next day. I need yeah. to be able to walk around. Or it's like, okay, well, then, you know, you're not going to put yourself through an opportunity for your body to respond in a positive way of, of the result that you're looking for. And so, you know, maybe, maybe we'll start with that. Maybe we'll start with just like nutrition and training and, and what kind of adversity we should be seeking. You know, you know, there's something that you mentioned all the time. It's like, just be very intentional, be present. If, if yeah. we're training, then maybe we put our photo away and, and we focus on training, right? But when it comes to seeking adversity, um, of course, there's like, you know, you want to put yourself on a program or a plan where you're, uh, maybe it's increasing weight, maybe it's increasing um you know, maybe it's increasing the uh, the time under tension or there's there's certain things that you're looking to like, you know, kind of put yourself through the ringer a little bit so that you can you can become better versus doing the same routine, going through the motions. Um, this was this is something that I was a, a victim of totally on the Peloton where I was, yeah. you know, I go hop on and do my 30 minutes. I'm like, you know what? I did my 30 minutes. I got a good sweat. But if I'm <laughs> going to take 30 minutes to train, why wouldn't I want to maximize? Why wouldn't I want to, yeah. um, you know, and so, you know, when we did this challenge a couple of weeks ago, we had a few people within our, our network were like, Hey, let's, let's do a, let's do an output challenge. Oh yeah. We do about 25, 30 minutes, but we're going to calculate our output. And man, I, I've never been so like, when I, when I hopped on, I'm like, um, this is what I'm gunning for. And then I would look at other people's numbers and be like, Oh, this wasn't good enough. Like I need to step it up and, and I need to crank out a little bit more output. And, um, I just felt so good knowing that I was maximizing my 30 minutes there and, and putting myself uh, through, you know, not putting myself through more stress, but putting myself through a more vigorous workout. And I was kind of leaning into the adversity versus kind of like shine away and just kind of do my 30 minutes and hopping off. So, uh, 
yeah, I think it's I think it's a great conversation to have. If anything, it's a good reminder that um, you know when we find ourselves pulling away and like maybe shying away from something, maybe that's when we need to like fully dive in and, and, and jump in. Uh, I'll shoot over to you, Coach Pete. Yeah, I think the, the thing that comes to my mind is something I often say is no growth happens in a state of comfort. And as human beings, we often try to seek comfort as much as we can because if we try to understand neurology and what our brain wants, our brain doesn't understand if we, if we want to change our body composition. Our brain doesn't understand if we want to get stronger. Our brain doesn't understand if we want to get faster. Our brain's primary job is survival. Right, it's just to be able to survive and able to preserve our body so it doesn't get injured or it doesn't get hurt. But if we understand the concept of of overload or the principle of overload, any sort, if you want to create any sort of adaptation, your body and your brain needs to get overloaded at some point, right? And that could be you want to be able to exceed its existing capacity to force the body to adapt so it can actually try to improve a little bit more. So, for the example, if we want to try to get stronger right the analogy i often give is is if your max is 100 and you choose to do 50 to 60 pounds every single time you're only going to work at 50 60 percent of your capacity at whatever on that on that chosen or given exercise that's never going to be able to force your body to adapt right so at some point you need to be able to overload so say for example you can only you can do 100 one time but you can do 50 pounds 10 times You've got to try to shoot for that 50 pounds. Can you get it 11 or 12? Can you get it 13? So you're trying to push the capacity of your body to try to improve. And it, it kind of works the same way mentally too, right? If you want to be able to try to improve your your ability to handle adversity or be able to handle difficult times, you need to be able to challenge yourself frequently. Like you've got to, you can't seek comfort. All right. If you choose, if you really choose, want to be different, if you really want to try to achieve and you really want to try to win, you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You've got to try to seek adversity as much as you can. You've got to be able to seek challenging times. You've got to be able to seek, um, you know, people and surround yourself with people around you that are also have that same level of growth mindset. Right. So because it's going to try to push you to achieve things that you didn't think that you could achieve by yourself. And you know, anytime that you can try to expose yourself to uncomfortable situations, whether it be in training or nutrition to try to improve your body composition, that's when you're really going to try to improve. And and I'm sure you felt it. I'm going to ask you this too, is when you started doing that challenge on the Peloton, did you, did you, did you kind of have butterflies in your stomach? Did you feel uncomfortable when you, when you hopped on the bike? Well, you know, I, I wouldn't say butterflies, but I, I did feel like, um, I didn't feel like a sense of pressure when it came to, um, you know, you kind of, not, I would say comparison, but your numbers are stacked up against somebody else's numbers, right? So it's a competition yeah. and um, there's no doubt that, that that competition or comparison pushed me to want to crank up my numbers more based off of what everybody else was thinking. Or if I didn't log a number that day because I didn't do a Peloton that day, I, I definitely felt that too, right? Where I you know, I felt a little bit ashamed or felt a little bit like, man, you know, I'm kind of falling behind in, in this competition. So, um, yeah, I think there, there was something there to that when it came to, you know, your output being publicly displayed. Yeah. And there's, it's that level of competition that kind of, it's, it's this feeling of stress actually, right? There's a, right. 
it, it, there is a stress whenever you go into a competition, whenever you do something somewhat challenging, there is a increased heightened stress response. And our perception of that stress can either determine if it's going to be a positive stress or a negative stress, right? And so the more frequently we can expose ourselves to stress, the better we're going to be able to cope with that. But a lot of it comes down to what is our perception of it? Like for you, right, in that Peloton situation, like you might have taken it on positively because you wanted to make sure that you try to beat somebody else. Whereas sometimes often somebody's kind of connotation of stress might be negative. And if we start to think about it from a negative standpoint, that's going to directly impact how, you know, the actions that we take, the mindset that we take, and it's going to affect how we adapt to that stress, right? So every time you expose yourself to a certain stressor or a certain situation, adverse situation, if you think of it from a negative standpoint, you're usually going to get negative results. Well, it's it's funny because you mentioned something that kind of, it, it just jogged this for me. Even sitting on this pod, like doing a podcast with you, to me, two years ago would have been extremely stressful. <laughs> you know, like, like knowing that we're being recorded, knowing that we're on video. And um, why I'm bringing this up is because yesterday I was I was talking to somebody and, you know, we're just getting off the Wednesday spaces. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they, they gave me a compliment. And I was just like, well, it's funny you mentioned that because I really am like a total introvert. Like I... I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't feel normal or comfortable for me to host the spaces and host a conversation publicly recorded mm. uh, on social audio. But because a year ago, almost two years ago, I kind of forced myself into it. I mean, Fanzo was obviously a huge influence off, you know, what he was able to craft out in career, you know, by being active on social audio. But um, it would be extremely uncomfortable for me to hop, even just to hop up and ask a question on somebody else's face. And uh, I would be like, my voice would start to shake. I would like be sweating and I'd be like, wow. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it felt like public speaking, right? Like going up in front of your class or you're you're giving a, a speaking engagement. And now it's just like, it's just part of the routine. It's second like, nature. Yeah. Like when so up a space, let's, instead of having this conversation one-on-one, let's have it publicly and maybe this will provide some value and, and people might respect our perspective or maybe they can learn something. And so, um, you know, if I chose to shy away from that, fear or that adversity, then it would be a little bit tougher for, for people to want to trust me or even hear me or hear my Thanks. perspective. And, and so, you know, I think that's a great example, but there's an, there's another one coach me that, you know, kind of got brought up while we we're talking about this, you know, I was thinking we're going to lead into sports and we're going to lead it into, you know, going through a rough patch and it kind of forces players to either, um, either adopt the the team bond greater or adopt the strategies to a greater degree or uh, really lean in and figure out what they need to do for the team to, to get out of this rut. But that's where I thought the conversation was going. But something else came up to you know for me when we were talking. And I feel like adversity is not always a struggle struggle, like a physical struggle or even like a, a me- for, well, I guess where I'm going with this is there's so many people that I try to introduce and you, you two try to introduce meditation to or introduce, mm-hmm. you know, just breath practice. And uh, sometimes there's an immediate response by them of like, oh, I, I can't do that. Like my brain, it, yeah. it's just, it's it's firing off too fast. Like sitting in two minutes of silence, like scares me. And now yeah, I think yeah. like that is adversity, right? Like that's if, adversity. That's a, if that's uncomfortable for you, then you need to be able to, to put yourself in the situation so that you can start to adopt, get better, and then make a more comfortable result of of practice over time. And so it's not always like, you know, Lima hopped on spaces and did like 100 calories on the assault bike in under like five minutes or something like that, right? Like he did something like, you know, he's really putting his body through stress, but 
is also like if, if sitting in silence for five minutes is massively uncomfortable for you, then that is adversity in itself, right? And so it doesn't always have to be like, uh, you know, go out on a stage or put yourself through immense cardio. Um, it's huh. just it's putting yourself in that, you know, scenario where you can you can draw a response, right? So if you're meditating for three to four weeks every day for five to 10 minutes, you're going to start to draw a response from your body to, to put yourself through a more comfortable scenario and yeah. be able to sit for five minutes. And um, what's fascinating to me is there's so many, and actually Lima, I don't want to throw him on the bus. Lima is a perfect example where he's like, he's like, oh, I think my mind is like going way too fast for me to sit down and meditate. I think those are the people that need it the most. Like, I think the, yeah. the people that can't sit alone for two minutes without pulling up their phone or doing something and trying to, you know, pull stimulation from somewhere. I think those are the people that that need to put themselves through the adversity of being able to sit alone the most. And so um, it's just something, Coach B, that just kind of popped up in my head because yeah. it's not it's not like a, I wouldn't say it's like an intuitive, natural thing until you like get ready to sleep or you wind down. But like, you know, it's when wake up in the morning or midday, take five minutes to just be and just to listen to, you know, what's going on and um, maybe focus on your breath. I think that itself could be putting yourself through adversity as funny as it sounds. Yeah. You know what? I think we should go kind of go back to truly understand just like what adversity is. Adversity is just exposure to difficult things. Right. And so for somebody whose mind might be racing, like the example you just gave with Lima, like if if it's difficult for him to be able to s stay calm or any individual who, you know, dismisses meditation and breath practices immediately, that's exactly what they need because they understand they may not understand, but that that's difficult for them to do. And so when you can expose yourself to difficult situations and difficult environments like that's how you improve your your coping skills to adversity right like i think that's what it is it's just doing difficult things right and so if you know eating healthier is difficult for you you've got to be able to try to create routine or instances to try to improve your improve your nutrition if you desire to to create health for yourself and if you don't know how to do that, that's where a support system, a coach really comes into play and it can really help you with those th those things. Same thing with physical things. There's like you go to a gym, right? You go to any public gym. There's going to be hundreds of people whose bodies do not change because they seek comfort. Like they'll shy away from doing difficult things. So what happens is they might need to seek a personal trainer. They might need to seek a coach. Can you write me a program? What, what are they going to put in there? They're going to put in exercises that are difficult to do, right? It's easy to stand in front of a mirror and knock out some curls and do some push-ups and do some bench press. But do you want to do a deadlift? Do you want to squat? Do you want a single leg squat? Do you want to do it at a slow tempo? Do you want to have to do it heavy? Do you have to do lots of reps? No, nobody wants to do that, right? Do you want to push a sled? Do you want to do sprints on a wind bike? Like all those, that's the difficult situations that you need to seek out if you desire change. And uh, there's so many instances that, you know, this is where coaching really comes into play. This is where having a, a really strong team around you come into play. But, you know, you've been on teams, you've coached teams. I've worked with teams where you might have individuals who shy away from discomfort. Anytime it comes to doing something difficult, they'll rather choose the easy way. And so sometimes you have to create situations where you don't give them a choice. The only choice that you give them is... You know, how hard are you going to go? This is what you're going to have to do. These are the constraints I'm going to give you. 
you know, and now it's up to you. What are you going to choose to do? And that and that power of choice is is very strong. And if you do it in a team setting, sometimes peer pressure can go a long way. Like where, for an instance, I'll say like, who's ready to get better today? You know what I mean? You don't want to be the person who doesn't raise their hand because if you don't, I'm going to be like, how come you don't want to get better today? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Hey, so give you know, just giving people the power of choice allows them to have ownership. And when you when you're given ownership, then you can be held accountable and you can be held to a certain standard. Yeah, I think you know the 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 peer pressure or the pressure of doing it in like the group dynamic. I think is really significant. I mean, I'm even thinking about you know, I just did ice tub about an hour ago, and what's coming out for me is like. I've been sick maybe one time since I've started practicing size stuff and cold showers and putting my body to adversity. And, um, you know, th that's where my mind kind of goes when it comes to adversity. Like I'm putting myself in an ice stuff, I'm putting myself in a sauna, right. To, to draw these responses. Um, but there's been so many people that have kind of like tested and like gone out there and done it because there's, I wouldn't say maybe it's not peer pressure. Maybe it's just, um, Oh, they're doing it. And this they're, they're receiving this type of benefit from it. And, um, I think we see that on the, on the team dynamic too. Right. And whether it's like, maybe it's praise from like a coach, maybe it's their numbers start to go up. Maybe they get a little more playing time. Um, but there's the, the, the group dynamic aspect of it. I think on a psychological level is like, you know, seeing somebody train really tough in practice versus going through the motions. And, um, you know, when I'm thinking about, when I'm thinking about like the teams that I've coached in the past and, I've mentioned this before, but this is probably months ago, but I've had a team where we didn't even lose a game till close to playoffs. And then we oh, got yeah. absolutely destroyed in playoffs. Yep, versus I had teams where, you know, we didn't win a game till November and parents are like, are we in the right division? Or we, <laughs> you know, I kind of have to like tell them like, this is what we want. Like, this is the, you know, like, this is a, there's parents that didn't even realize it's, the, you know, 12 years developmental. And it's like, this is, we're seeking, we want to play competition. I've been on the back end of, playing at the highest level and other teams, you know, shouldn't be in the division. And now we're playing keep away in their offensive zone for 12 minutes a period because we, we don't want to, you know, for, we want them to forfeit this game because of, you know, them being uh, mercyed. And, and so to me, it's a perfect example of like, we have to find whether it's, we find tournaments, we find teams, maybe it's even non-league games where we are, are forced to, to play at a level that we haven't competed at yet because we have to kind of push those levels, you know, and, and I think when you can do that at practice, I remember always telling parents, it's like, you're going to get a couple puck touches during a game, unless you're like a Connor McDavid in practice, you're going to get as many puck touches as you want. Right. And so like, that's your opportunity. That's your time to, to really like dial in your, your training. And, um, I've always just noticed that like with these winning teams, some players like give it their all. And on, you know, some of these losing teams, it takes like six months for them to like start trying in practice. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a, you know, of course there's coaches that, and, you know, people that are pushing them, but ultimately there needs to be something from within. And I think sometimes yeah. from within is like looking at their teammates and realizing, okay, that guy's on power play. He's on first line, you know, coach throws him out there when, you know, during important minutes. And it's up to the actual athlete themselves to be like, I want to aspire to, to see what that feels like, or and it sucks because I think the parents also have a lot of influences too, is like, or I'm just going like, to, oh, it's, you know, I can do nothing and the coach is going to, you know, he's like, I could do the best and coach is still not going to play me. Or, you know, they have this, this, this mentality of like things are happening to them, but really it's, it's totally up to them. It's totally up to them to, yeah. Yeah, it's totally up to them to provide the effort, to pay attention, 
to give it their all, right? And so um, there's something though, like with a true athlete, when they see somebody else doing it, you know, like, there's always this comparison, like, should I focus on just myself versus like looking at another player? But that's, I think it's just natural for us to do that, right? And when we see that, the choice has to be made of like, am I going to extend myself in practice when people, you know, even parents like generally don't think it matters or <laughs> war, you know, like even in yeah. warmups, like when you're stretching, are you, are you legitimately stretching and preparing yourself or are you just there? And so it's yeah. like little tiny moments and, um, it just takes a while, right? Like I think, like I said, these teams, it could take three months for people to like fully buy in and see like, okay, they're giving their best. They're giving their best. I need to like, I need to rise up to this level. Um, I think we see that in life too, where it's, you know, that's where the, the meta athletes and the group dynamic is really powerful is, um, some people know they need to make a change and they come in like ready to go and they see other people and they feel really supportive and they just like fully adopt to it. And some other people, I think it takes them a little bit of time for them to realize like, okay, this is actually great for me to surround myself with, yes. you know, I wouldn't consider it to be like toxic positivity, but it's you're surrounding yourself with a group of people that want to be better. Right. And, um, you know, it's, it's really interesting because I think in, I just saw a tweet the other day and was like, you know, is, is the web three and crypto Twitter space, you know, is it, is it a bad thing to be toxically positive? And we've, I've seen it a couple of times, but in my opinion, it's crazy to think like that because imagine if it wasn't positive, like yeah. imagine the, the, the results and surrounding yourself in a scenario where it's not positive and, um, it, it can go downhill really fast. Right. So, um, I'm kind of curious your thoughts, you know, Coach B on like the difference between toxic positivity versus, you know, just fostering that environment of culture. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever heard the term toxic positivity, but it makes and it makes sense. Sometimes it could be almost feel like a cult, right? Where when you're so positive all the time. But um I I choose to think positively. I choose to to um, you know have positive energy. I choose to have positive interactions as much as I can, because for me, I've found that that works. I found that for me, that allows me to continue to take steps forward to, to progress into, into achieve anything. Um, I don't know if you've ever read the energy bus by John Gordon, but it's, uh, it's a great story and it's a great tale of, um, somebody who has positive energy versus somebody who has, um, negative energy. And those who have negative energy are almost, you know, termed in the book as energy vampires. And you've got to start to, you know, ask yourself, do I want to surround myself with people that suck the energy out of me and people that suck the energy out of the room and and have this woe is me mentality and this victim mentality with everything that they, every difficult situation that arises, right? Because usually that's what starts to happen is, right, when you start to, confront or get into an uncomfortable situation, you've got to start to think like, how am I going to attack this? What are the steps? And ultimately, what's the mindset I'm going to be able to attack this with? I'm going to have a positive attitude or am I going to have a negative attitude? And ultimately, that's up to me. And that's my choice that I'm going to decide to make. And you got to start to ask yourself, what good things happen with a negative attitude? And there's not many that I can really think of you know what i mean what positive things are going to happen with a negative attitude it doesn't kind of make sense right like yeah, no absolutely and i think the reason why i bring it up is because i think it you know part of the adversity is also the support system and yes um you know if you're if there's a team of people that are negative then you know the adversity can get really really tough 
Yeah. Just just like what we're seeing in the economy. Like right now, if 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 you know you see you see your your wealth decline or you see your investments start to decline, and then on top of that, you're surrounding yourself with with people that are negative and, and looking at it the wrong way, or maybe they're um, maybe they're just choosing to be a lot more negative than they could. Like that's where I think things can really you know like spiral. And so uh, toxic positivity is really interesting to me because I just imagine what it could look like if it wasn't positive or just taking more of a neutral standpoint. But um, when it ties back to adversity, I think it's it's so significant because you're, you're totally right. Like even I, if I feel like I am about to say something negative, I like, I'm at this point where like I catch myself. I'm like, man, I don't want to throw that out there. I don't want people to, to you know, uh, of course, I think part of it is I don't want people to think I'm a negative person or somebody that's complaining. But I also like want to catch myself and realize like, okay, what's going on? Why do I feel like I want to complain? Like what else? Is there something, is there, is there accountability I could take on myself or, and so I kind of catch myself in these situations because I don't want to feed into that negativity. I also, I think I've explained this to you, like, I don't want to surround myself with people that are negative. Like, I think yeah. one of the most interesting things of Twitter is being able to not block somebody, but mute somebody. And yeah. dude, I probably mute like two or three people a day just because I'm like, wanna, I don't even follow some of them. I just like, it shows up on my feed. I'm just like, I literally do not want to see... <laughs> This person don't talk negatively about anything, and I, like I just don't want I don't want it to come across it, and so I'll just I'll mute people. And in real life, like if if you're in my friend group and you're a complainer, negative, you know, like we probably aren't hanging out a ton at all. No. And uh, I didn't, you know, I think that that's it's not ignoring the situation, but it's just it's it truly is protecting your energy. It's protecting you know what you're consuming, what you're surrounding yourself with. And, um, yeah, on the, the team dynamic, it's, it can be tough, but I think you can kind of pull people out of the negative victim mentality and, and get them to buy into, Hey, look, the adversity is a good thing. And, and we need to lean in more. And there's things that we can do to hold ourselves more accountable, um, when it comes to facing and then kind of leaning into the adversity, um, into losses. You know, one of the toughest things to do, and I think it could be one of the most beneficial things to do is to take a close, hard look at your friend group or the, the people that you surround yourself with the most and really truly recognize are those people helping you become the best version of yourself? Are those people right. helping lift you up? Are those people giving you solutions? Are those people being positive? Are they giving you energy? Because um, if they're not, if they're not, you might need to purge them, you know? And that's, and that's harsh to say, but you know, We've removed friends from our, from uh, so-called friends from our circles, and uh, removed ourselves from certain individuals because they weren't uplifting. Right, everything was. They were Debbie Downers, right? They they looked at everything from a negative lens, and they moped and they complained. And I'm like, and I, you know, I had conversations with my wife, like, why are we surrounding ourselves with these kinds of people? Like, they're not helping us. They're not helping our kids. They're not they don't live the same values and morals that we have. So, you know, it, we've removed ourselves and, you know, we might've lost some friends along the way, but it doesn't really care to me. You know what I mean? Cause for me, yeah, yeah. like they're, they're not making me better, you know? Right, and I want right. to make sure that I, I can try to help those around me. But at the same time, I want to surround myself with people who are going to push me and help me see the positive, you know, lens through, you know, which we view everything and view life. But um, at, and for some people, they, they just kind of go through life on autopilot and they just kind of, they keep their friends the same. And, and sometimes you got to take a step back and reflect and, you know, 
truly question, are these people helping me become the best version of myself? And yeah, that's I mean, a difficult. That's that's adversity in itself. You you could have a different is. conversation with somebody like that's hard. It is. It is. And what's interesting, and we'll kind of wrap today's episode because I think we pull out three good good topics there. But the um, yeah, like tough conversations. If if you're chatting with somebody, you're having to, that could probably that most likely leads to a, a result or even a, a you know a solution faster than just letting it letting it ride and and not having some of those difficult conversations. And that in itself is adversity too. But um, you know, three things that we kind of mentioned is leaning into the adversity, almost seek the adversity. And that could that could be something that you know putting yourself to biggest workout, or maybe it's it's sitting still for five minutes. Um, I think you you have to you have to have some awareness on what is maybe what is something that you fear. Um, the the second one is building a support system, whether that's people that are you know helping you pull the best out of yourself, or maybe people that are just encouraging along the way. And then the last one I really like that I mentioned, Coach B, is is the reflection process, right? Like even on this, on this chat with you, I'm reflecting like, okay, speaking publicly is, is definitely a fear of mine that I've, I'm now reflecting on. I put myself through adversity and now I'm very comfortable. Now I can hop on and do an interview and do space yeah. and I can do a podcast. And I feel very comfortable doing so. And so that reflection is also important because I think without reflecting, we don't really, we don't pull some of these like conclusions out as clearly. Right. And so, um, yeah, I love those three when it comes to facing adversity and, you know, and, the I think the biggest thing when it comes to adversity is you have to have a little bit of vision too of like you know like if I'm gonna eat healthy for six months you know like I need to have like a we call it a line or the vision of like what the what are we seeking what is the end goal is that end goal something that's truly gonna to empower us to continue and keep going and, and build discipline or um or am I just like one am I am I just gonna like Kind of go through the motions and you know i don't really have a why i just know that i probably should be eating healthier but i don't really care that much because i don't really have you know something that's really you know maybe motivation is not the right word but maybe it is motivation maybe something that's like um giving you a vision of what it could be like if you were to commit and um yeah i think that that's that's an important one that i think a lot of people have trouble with is like having a vision of what this could look like realistically but um yeah, Coach B, great conversation. Anything else you want to throw in there about adversity before we uh, close up today's episode? I think the last, yeah, probably the last thing I'd love to be able to to impart to any listeners is to is to seek dif- difficult situations, seek discomfort as often and as frequently as you can. And sometimes that may just be with your exercise routines or the habits you're trying to change around your life. But I promise you that the more frequently you seek difficult situations, the more you're gonna be able to adapt to any of those difficult situations that start to arise in other aspects of your life, even though they might be outside of the the, the training realm um, because it, it it's just exposure to stress. And so consistent exposure to stress will help you understand how to overcome difficult situations and scenarios that, that you're gonna be able to deal with in your life. Um, you know, they're going to all happen on, on varying degrees. Like obviously, you know, pushing yourself on a, on an echo or wind bike is not going to be the same as overcoming a death, death in your family. Um, but they are difficult situations and they are stressful situations. And if you try to shy away from stress in one aspect of your life, it's going to be much more difficult to understand how to handle it in another aspect of your life. So seek difficult situations seek discomfort as frequently and as often as you can absolutely 
great episode b hope everybody got something out of this chat next week